due to the type of interviews conducted, we are not recording in the studio. Some audio may not be clear. The goal of our Support Our White Troops segment is to bring light to the experiences of people of color and of members of the LGBTQ plus community that serve in the United States military. Thank you for listening to the American Dream Isn't Real podcast. Hello and welcome to the American Dream Isn't Real podcast. I am M.E. Williams Books and this is our Support Our White Troops segment. And today we have a gentleman. Of course, we don't use names, but introduce yourself, please. I am a gentleman who <laughs> exists in a material world that we consider ourselves to be a machine. He is an airman. <laughs> <laughs> He's an airman, everyone. <laughs> Yo, I actually thought about that intro all the way here. Thank you. Thank you for that. Okay. So make sure you speak to the mic. Okay. Number one. So we don't have to record this again. Um, I have to have to record a couple times with some other people. Yeah, and it takes away like the you know the authenticity. Yeah. Um. All right, so this should be more like a dialogue. So if you have any questions for me, I will happily answer. Okay. I don't really mind. So. Okay, sure. All right, so start off with some low balls. Where are you from? I'm from Augusta, Georgia, the same city that Fort Gordon is in. So I grew up around a military population. And uh, yeah, that's where I'm from. I joined in 14, January 14. Uh, January 14. Yeah, that was like right before the. Why did you join? Is it because of the military base or? Uh, why did I join the military or why did I join the Air Force? Um, answer bro. I. <laughs> so did I, you want to join another branch? And you know, I had like I had an um, opportunity to go to Annapolis. So I was like considering going to the Navy, but at the same time, I had like an opportunity to go to flight school. And I told my recruiter and I had a, I had like an awesome, an awesome recruiter at the time. And he was like, if you have that opportunity, then capitalize on it and don't come talk to me until you're out of the, until after you graduate. So I did that and I was like, I don't know, planes are cool. I want to be a linguist. Like, I, I, that, that's really what it was, honestly. Like, I wanted, okay. I wanted to be a linguist, and they were the only branch that offered airborne linguists as a career field that I okay. saw. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, let me go. Let me go talk to them about that. Okay. Wow, that was really thought out. Hey, you know. that didn't really happen like that for me when I joined. <laughs> <laughs> like it's Tuesday. Yeah. Let me no, go. no, no. I mean, I mean, I thought about joining, but like at first I was supposed to be an air traffic controller. Oh. And then, like, I, I scored, you know, pretty high on the ANSAP. So then they made me take the language test. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're going to be a linguist. Yeah. So that's how that happened. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, planes are cool. Let me do this. Or like, oh, I want to be a linguist. Yeah. Like, you scored high enough. Here we go. They tried right. to, did they ever try to tell you to take the, uh, the EDT2 or something like that? Mm-mm. No, I didn't take that. Do you know what that is? No. Uh, what is it? <laughs> it's like, that thing is like, Disassemble Rubik's Cube broken up into some strange fashion. And they're like, no, I did not. 
I, I wouldn't even think I broke the teams in a bit. Like, <laughs> I, I did my deal, my deal at first, right? And he was like, oh, yeah, you're going to be a linguist. But take this test anyway. And I brought it back in. It's like, yeah, you're going to be a linguist. <laughs> it's like, it's to be a 9S. It's to be a 9S 100. So, yeah. And he was like, I'm glad you didn't. I mean, you should be glad you didn't pass it because they basically put you in a cave in Nevada. So I was like, ah, facts. I uh, do I enjoy being a linguist? Yes. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's what I was going because it's like it's a really complicated question for me because I absolutely love the language piece. Like I would do it for free, but I got bills, so you know what I'm saying that limits those options. But yeah, no, I, I love I love that. Um, I love the military aspect too because I went to a military school and my dad was in the military. So all of that stuff, like all of that stuff really kind of clicks for me. Um, but that I think that for anybody who's entertaining being an airborne linguist in the Air Force, if you're doing it for the language part, you cap out after a certain point and they want you to transition. And that I don't really like that because I want to keep doing my language. Uh, was it a push for you to join? It wasn't a push, but he wasn't like he wasn't opposed to it. He just wanted me to, to not um, be in the streets. He was like, All right. no, my dad didn't want me to join. Oh, my yeah. mom wanted me to join. Like before we went to college, she was like, You should join the military, especially at school. And I yeah. was like, No, I don't need that. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> After college, I was like, I thought you the military. Wow, what was your military? I got bills. I got home, I got some loads of pay off. But my dad like had the complete opposite experience so he was he was logistics um he i think he 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 might have just went in i think he went in to avoid a draft i'm not exactly sure i'm not positive but i know mm-hmm. he went he chose to, he chose to go in the army and he like went to korea and like came back and he's like oh i love it over here because he was his his dad was in the air force so, oh, okay. so they grew up oh, in Kadena. Wow. Okay. They grew like they grew up. They grew up in in Asia. So he was really yeah. happy to get back to Asia. Um, and then after he got out, he went to the guard in Georgia, um, which is why I was yeah, born yeah. there. And he was just like, he just stayed at the same base. <laughs> yeah, like he just lived there. I don't know how he pulled it off, but he did. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was also like, he was also like really tactical about how he formed his relationships while he was in the army too. Cause like, cause like I said, he was logistics. So he would like get Colonel C, Colonel furniture for like, for like E4s. Oh, okay. And they were like, oh yeah, Joe's straight. Yeah, Joe's good. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Anything, anything came from, I don't know, how like experiences? I guess like the games, like, you mean like as far as being like a black American in the military or just yeah, in the yeah. military in general? Or both, actually. Um, actually, it's just, like, just being a black American in the military. So being, I think that his experiences were very different than mine because he grew up in an era where it was more socially acceptable to be vocal about like 
discontent with working with other with, with black people in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that I think it was in one way it was cooler than ours because it made the black people that work there be way tighter mm-hmm. than than you would than you would be now. Um, but it's just by by means of survival. But in another way, it's like he was just. It was one of those things where he knew he just had to go do his job and put up whatever it was, so mm-hmm. he don't get article fifteen and then go about his business. <laughs> so I think it's changed in that respect because, mm-hmm. for the most part, if somebody says something crazy in the Air Force, then they gonna get hemmed up by somebody eventually. But back right. then, it was like wall to wall type. What's up? Yeah. Trying to trying to trying to see his hands. <laughs> But I have stayed <laughs> as long as him. If I was having the kind of fun he had, probably. Yeah. If I could travel like he traveled, yeah, I would. I want to stay in. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh man, no. I, you know. Uh, what? what? I'm so wait a minute. What were your goals? I wanted to. Oh man, it's gonna be super. I've never actually, I've never actually said this to anyone, uh-huh. but I really had, I had like really high political aspirations. So uh-huh. I wanted to get in, um, do my time, maybe retire, possibly commission, and then try to work, try to get into politics. Because um, when I came in, uh-huh. yeah, or uh, well, at, <laughs> at at this point, neither. I, I don't know you if you've watching the news. I wanted, I wanted to be the president. Okay. I was like, because it was one, it was it was really inspiring to see President Obama. But two, it was like, um, two, it was like just thinking about the nature of our country mm-hmm. and whether I, I think the president's reign is limited, like the the influence that they can that they can uh, cause is limited. Mm-hmm. But I think it's still more than the average American by yes. and large, and so. I thought it. I thought it would be a good idea to try to, to shoot for that. So that was that was a part of it. That was part of it for me. I used to be president too. You know, <laughs> I'm saying. You know what changed? I'll be vice. You know, <laughs> you know what changed? I saw how much money they had to put in the campaign. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not going door to door. That's real. That's real. Yeah. That's. And then I was like, but you can get a squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See. But then, but then I was like, you know what? I could be the first woman female sergeant of the Air Force. Yeah. And that'd be fine. Yeah. But now I'm separating, so. <laughs> Goals change. Things hey, change. Those are dreams we dream. <laughs> so no. now then, like, I guess if that was like your big goal, yeah. what is your goal now? My goal now in the Air Force, because um, I'm assuming that's what the question is. My goal now in the Air Force is really just to be able to give them everything that I can while I'm still in this contract. Because um, I don't want to. I don't want to be one of those people. I was thinking about it this morning actually. I don't want to be one of those people that when I get out, people are like, "He's finally gone." I want people to be like, "The unit. The unit was better when he was here." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whether he wanted to stay or not, he was a he was a, a beneficial yeah. piece of the unit. So um, my goal is to work. In whatever way I can to be a to be a service, and then when I'm out, you know. I got plans. I got big plans to get out. Yeah. What are your plans? Um. So it's kind of it's not a toss up. 
there's a there's a safe plan and like a dream plan. Okay. So, yeah. so, so <laughs> that's the safe plan, oh, okay. Lisa. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna go to the door for you. I'm gonna go to the door for you. Okay. What you do though, I'm gonna be like, she's actually. Right I'm just, I'm just kind of you know saying, but, but yeah. like you both would be right or in. But now the so the safe plan is to go and to work in computers, to work in cybersecurity because I think there's a huge need for that right now. Like we're being outpaced by pretty much every every country that's working in that. Yeah. Um, especially if you if you look at like artificial intelligence and how that's going to impact us. And I think one of the things that I've been really interested in is like quantum computing and how that's going to affect that landscape. So my plan, the safe plan, is to get out, um, do some kind of computer education. Um, do a boot camp or something, and then go work in that field because it's popping. Uh, the dream plan would be to go teach people, teach people languages, um, okay. like to go teach people languages in Asia. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that so you doesn't... want to live in Asia, like your dad did. I think it was man. Okay, so this is gonna be a tangent, but it's <laughs> actually something I want to talk to you about because okay. I just came back. I just came back from Asia, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Man, I can't even explain how cool of an experience it was. And it was because I didn't feel like I belonged there. But it was my first time being out of the States, first of all. I didn't feel like oh, I belonged okay. there. But I I was okay with that. Like, I would rather be somewhere where I don't necessarily belong and know that than be back here where I'm supposed to belong. Like no. <laughs> I don't think it's weird. Like I don't well, know where Black Americans belong. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's like, so yeah, I would like to live somewhere other than the U.S. by virtue of that, mm-hmm. but uh, not Asia specifically. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. I had this conversation like literally like two days ago with someone yeah. else. Because I was like, what am I supposed to do? Really? Like, do I go back to Africa? Yeah. But also not have a connection to Africa. Yeah. Or know any other. African languages. Yeah. <laughs> Do I stay here and still not be an American? Yeah. I don't know. And I still don't have an answer to it. But <laughs> you know, I was I was talking to somebody about like just about the about like about this, I guess this roughly this topic. Cause it's like you're still an American, but are you? Well, yeah, I think I think in with limited I don't think that I don't I'm not saying that you're uh, um, like American proper. I think that being a black American and being pretty much any other kind of American mm-hmm. is very different. I, mm-hmm. I almost think I almost feel like it's it's different, different countries and different laws. And so yes. I think that this is I think that it's weird. It's weird. It's like where we're where we're most at home. It's it's like where it's like yeah. that, that yeah. cousin that like he can kick it at your house. <laughs> he don't live there. You know what I'm saying? Like. <laughs> He can't drink the last of the juice, but he can come in. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. That's how. That's how I feel. Before I got in the military, I really enjoyed traveling too. Yeah. Like I really enjoyed it. And you're right. Like you don't feel like you belong there, but it's like it's just a different feeling. Yeah. I chose to not belong. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah. I bought a ticket to not belong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had better way last time. Wow. <laughs> I hold it. <laughs> Like how America currently is. I guess like we kind of 
with belonging. Yeah. But, I don't know if you remember, but do you remember when it was like, oh, we're like post-racial, we don't see color. And then Obama got elected, and everybody got seen color. Do and I then Trump got elected. I <laughs> I don't remember a time where president? people said no. I don't remember a time where people oh. said or felt that. Nobody ever said I don't see color. I'm from Georgia. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we saw color. We saw HD. <laughs> no. Okay. 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 Yo, uh, okay. Do you remember how people said we're uh, post-racial society? Has anyone ever said? I remember hearing that after I was a full-grown adult out of the South and I already knew it to not be true. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I got you. Got you. Got you. So, from that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. From that point. Or from that point, I I was an adult too. Yeah. When I started paying attention to it. Yeah. They were like, "Oh, we have a black president. We're not racist. We're not a racist country anymore." All right. But then, the current administration has taken that back a little. <laughs> In my opinion. That's very gracious of you. <laughs> what do you think that stems from? Um, I don't think that I don't think it's taken anything back. I think that it's I think that it's made things more transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think by and large, I think America is a country that is its very existence is kind of contradictory to its foundation. Because I talk to people, uh, I've had I've had conversations with people I consider close friends who are um, super libertarian, and they're like, you know, America should be this way or that way, or these type of people shouldn't be in America, and or like the the people that are like uh, there can't be a Muslim president because uh, um like Islam is fundamentally opposed to America. Okay. Yeah, so that, so those kind of conversations, right? Uh-huh. It's like. Yeah, no, those are yeah, those are okay. different. Those okay. are different. I mean, people can can. Fall yeah. Yeah. yeah, but but I'm, but I'm, what I'm thinking is like, okay, so if you're gonna make America, if you take America to the full extent of what it says it should be on paper, it's really controlled anarchy. That's what it should be, right? But that's not what it is. It we we thought. There was a homogen- there was like a homogenous group that founded a country, and they were like, "Yeah, as long as we keep doing what we're doing, mm-hmm. we can we're have all the freedom." Over, over yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> that, that, I'm just gonna clarify. That founded a country of blood, right? Okay. So acceptable so they, answer. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they they're like, "Yeah, we all have the same ideas, so freedom should be unlimited, right?" Yeah. Because in that in that circumstance their freedom wasn't going to impose on one another. Right. But then when other people groups started getting introduced to it, especially when they started getting influence, then you have to start reining that freedom in, in order for America to stay what they wanted it to be. Or in order for the people who have power to stay in power. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what they wanted it to be. They made okay. it that way. They made it that way so that, so that their power, their power would continue. Right. Okay. And you got to start reining that in. And so it creates this dichotomy where it's like, well, on paper, it says everyone should be free, but this thing is limited. Why is this limited? Oh, that's changed over, you know, X, <laughs> X many years. You know what I mean? Like, but I think I think specifically about religious freedom, right? right? If you come to a country 
if you come to a landmass, right, mm -hmm. and you take it and you say, this is going to be a place where there's absolute religious freedom. Yes. At that point, you have completely desecrated the idea of making a Christian nation because you can't have both of those. Mm -hmm. And so when you try to maintain America as such and keep giving people religious freedom, mm -hmm. I think that gets to the root of how, I guess, I guess contradictory America is at, at its base. And as a result of that, I think it's a I think it's a strange experiment and we'll see we'll see where it goes. Oh we've never been we've never been in a place like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? With this much information, this yes. much cross cultural like flow of, of thought, right? Like yes. so this many weapons, yes. right? So it's like human history has never seen this point before mm -hmm. and we have no idea where it's gonna go. Have you seen like the task force that y'all It's been no, but it sounds it's, it's kind of a, so I'm not don't quote me. I don't know if it's like specifically called religious task force, but basically is to protect religious freedom right. in America. Oh, okay. But it's ran by the oh. DOJ. <laughs> okay. Okay. Jeff Sessions mm -hmm. and Donald Trump. I almost called him president. Donald Trump uh -huh. came up with this. <laughs> Yo, How can you have... So, okay. So, we know <laughs> the Bill of Rights. Yeah. Parts of the, I'm not going to say I read all of the Constitution. Yeah. But I think I know enough. <laughs> I'm looking for some time. <laughs> I just feel like when they say they're going to protect religious freedoms, uh -huh. they mean they don't mean Muslims. No. <laughs> or they don't mean any other like minority religion. Yeah. So when you say it's like contradictory, that's immediately what I thought about. That's, oh, that's exactly, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Because like you can protect, they're okay with protecting religious freedoms uh, as long as they are able to define what a religion is. Yeah. If you can say, if you can say, well, Islam isn't a religion, it's a terrorist organization, but we're still re yeah. protecting religious freedoms. Because mm -hmm. you define you've defined it so narrowly, then yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's I think that's what's happening. I think a lot of people use the example of the baker who didn't want to make the cake for the gay couple. Okay. Um, actually, what do you think about that? Man, I'm not gonna leave you in tonight because I no. feel like I feel like when you start doing that, yeah. you kind of go back to the civil rights movement. I think bro was I think bro was pressed. It was a I, like I don't. I mean, he won. He won in the Supreme Court. Yeah. But uh, I just feel like if you can deny that, yeah. Why? Like, when are you gonna start denying black people? I think that. I think that people. This is kind of radical, right? Yeah, I, I think <laughs> that people should be able to choose to do whatever they want to choose to do, right? But they should not be exempt of consequences of it, right? And so, and I, don't, I think it's best to sort of hit yeah. a monetary, a monetary loss. I believe that. Yeah. So, like, I, I, I think that like this is another one of those like strange dichotomies, right? Because mm -hmm. because you can't have absolute freedom and have law, right? So. If you're gonna say, well, we're gonna, we can, we we won't allow you to discriminate, we, we won't allow you to discriminate, right? Yeah. But we also are 
are gonna like force you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another one of those things. It's like it's incompatible. Like fundamentally incompatible. You know what I'm saying? So I think that I think that he was just an example of. I think he was just an example of like mm-hmm. how strange America views its like tier one yeah. like values versus the things that it espouses. Yeah. <laughs> and it only applied to that case. It wasn't like the Supreme Court that like this is everywhere. It was only that case. Yeah. But still, I feel like the bigger picture is kind of a slippery thing. But then the smaller pictures, like you said, like how does it he suffer consequences? Yeah. It's suffer a little bit. So, I don't know. It's great. It's great. You know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do? It reminds me of, like, kind of, maybe it's because of the people who are in power, right? Like, how it's, like, contradictory. Yeah. So, if you say Black Lives Matter, and someone else said All Lives Matter, <laughs> to me, that's contradictory because, like, under the All Lives Matter banner. Yeah. Do like the kids in cages? Do they do their lives matter? Because I haven't seen any all lives matter people say anything about that. Oh. So what are we really talking about? <laughs> well, I mean, I, if if I were to if I were to give my take on that on that piece, I think that when you say like specifically Black Lives Matter, all lives matter, right? Yes, we can do that. Yeah. It's like if you're saying like basically you're saying like, hey, I matter too. And yes, it's super weird. It's super weird to me. This I, I'm sure this has been this has been like a part of the narrative. Um, when people when people talk about it, it's like, yeah, we know you matter because you matter the entire time this country existed. Yeah, we don't need a reminder of that. Like, <laughs> sure, thanks. Like, you already matter. Yeah, everybody knows you matter. Yeah, but we matter too. Yeah, <laughs> we matter. I mean, or or. Yeah, existential crisis. <laughs> it's part of why, like, so a lot of people when they see like the American dream for real, or like to pour our white truth, it's like they feel like a negative connotation to it. Okay. But I feel like it's a difference. Like I say, the American dream isn't real because American dream on paper, like we were saying, mm-hmm. is supposed to apply to everybody. Yeah. It's supposed to be able to start from the same level mm-hmm. and rise up. Yeah. But we know that's not true. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely, yeah. Support our white troops is because when Colin Kaepernick took a, Kaepernick took a knee, people said he's disrespecting troops. Yeah. But am I not a troop as a black woman? Yeah. Uh, he's not disrespecting anything yeah. to me. Yeah. <laughs> so who are you really talking about? You're, you have to be talking about white troops. <laughs> People who are like, it, it, it's all, I mean, even if it's not, even if it's not white, because, you know, people have jumped out of your throat about that. Like, I'm black and I don't support Colin, Colin Kaepernick. And I'm like, uh, yeah, but, but those, those people, though, ooh, those, anyway. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah, even if you're not, even if you weren't white, you just had a lack of concern for innocent people being killed by cops yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. you can be you can be black and do that too but yeah. it's it's almost like it's super weird to me like it what it makes it makes sense on one level because the reason that sports exist is to distract people i think i think that the reason we're, we're, yeah well i think 
at least the reason that it's that it's like built up to the degree that it's built up in American society is yeah. to distract people from all the real problems that are happening in our country. Mm-hmm. And when you bring those real problems to people who are trying to avoid them, they're like, whoa, you know what I'm saying? It's like But but see I would agree with you. I the guy that wrote the the national anthem mm-hmm. and like the extended verses of it was like Yeah. It is hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like when you read too much like, fan fiction on Disney, yeah. you're like, oh. <laughs> that's another thing. <laughs> I was going too far. <laughs> Back to America. No, that's, I mean, that's, how, that's where I sit on that topic. People mm-hmm. ask me like more often than I would like to be asked about it mm-hmm. because really. No one's asking. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for someone to ask me. We have a podcast called The American Dream is Not Real. Well, I was I feel like I'm like women pretty much. I've been waiting for someone to ask me this question. I think people ask me because because of the scenarios I find myself in. Because most of the time I'm not I'm not vocal about I'm not vocal about this stuff unless somebody asks me about it. And then when they ask me about it, they're like, "Oh, <laughs> we good actually." How about the cowboys? You know what I'm saying? But yeah. Maybe not cowboys. Uh, <laughs> they don't like they don't like a response to that either. Wow. <laughs> are you are you still watching football? Uh no. You I ain't watch Huh? You don't have to shame. I ain't watch I ain't watch football in a while. Like, I haven't oh, watched really? football before this, but if I would have I'm not watching football, I'd be like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I watch hockey. Three runs. See, I watch I, football is my favorite sport. Yeah. I'm about to say that. Yeah, no, that's yeah. <laughs> I hope you win his lawsuit. It's a reflection, man. That's all it is. Yeah. It's just it's just a mirror. Like it didn't bring it out of anybody. It just it it showed it. Yeah. I said the same thing about like so um you know seeing all police brutality on the internet mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's like of course it was there. Yeah. You just see it everywhere now. You know, I feel I have mixed feelings about that. About, about the recordings or no about about the cops themselves okay. so, I mean just law enforcement in general but I think that like I think that those guys are put in a terrible situation yes. because of the disproportionate amount of like crisis response yes. versus like de-escalation yes. training that they get that's true so it's like they I, should have more training I definitely like that I don't know, man. It, I feel like it would suck to be a cop as much as it sucks for me to see cops. Yeah. <laughs> they have more training and they shouldn't militarize the police without proper training. Yeah, well, you just shouldn't militarize the police. You gotta yeah, they're supposed to be like community. Yeah. Whatever, you know. I think, you know, I think somebody that had some of the most um, insightful commentary on that in recent history was J. Cole when he was talking about. When he was talking about cops patrolling neighborhoods they never lived in. Yeah. I just think, like, that's a, that's a fascinating idea. Yeah. If the people that were working in your neighborhood were working there and they had to go home, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if when they got off their shift, they had to trust another cop to watch their house. I think it used to be that way. You think so? And at some point, it changed. I remember, I, I think this is accurate, but before in St. Louis, you had to live in an area yeah. that you're policing. That's lit. 
Um, that was, I don't know when it changed or why. People think he was out there all the time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if there was a police patrolling that area who knew the people, then he would know that. Yeah. And the situation would have been over with <laughs> before it even started. I think, too. I think, too, when you put. I would just ask people who have strong opinions if they voted. Because it's important to me. Yeah. Because otherwise, me and you just talking, it's not going to change anything. So that was it. You're yeah. asking me. So you're essentially asking if I have, polit- if I have strong political persuasion about the direction? No, not even, not even like. It, no, I don't like whatever direction that's up to you. Yeah, I just want to know if you use your voice <laughs> besides just like telling people how you feel when no. they ask you. Yeah, do I, you vote as well? I, yeah, I vote. I mean, like, I don't know how much I trust the, the system, yeah, but but I do vote. <laughs> like, for instance, I always want because I get an absentee ballot, yeah, I was whenever I can, I do an absentee ballot, yeah, but I'm wondering if they even count those ballots or not. Who getting uh, them? Who's counting them? Russia. <laughs> 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 Probably after that. Yes. It goes in the like, uh, and then it goes. There we go. There you go. Next stop, Mr. Putin. Putin? Putin. What do you think about this, like, the process here? Do you, do you trust the process? The, pro- the Electoral Congress process? Just I don't trust the process. But I don't know another type of process. <laughs> oh man, it's crazy. Like I'm gonna keep voting. I'm gonna keep, yeah. keep voting. Yeah, I'm gonna keep voting. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. It's worse if you just gonna keep passing that shit. Damn. And no one's gonna do anything about it. I think mm-hmm. that I guess realistically we could elongate the process and just go back to paper ballots because we. Not? We would we have enough technology to make something that could count those super fast. Like yeah. we don't have to do the electronic the electronic version then. I think so too. You can't because you. I mean, unless they get like some type of some type of informants in there that are going to physically change it, which mm-hmm. I hope is harder. I guess I'm not convinced it's harder, but yeah. but <laughs> so I, but I don't I don't. I think, mean, for now, until they solve whatever issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I think that um I don't really trust I don't trust the process. But I also know that I can't make a different process. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So if I just if I just say I don't I don't I'm not gonna participate because I don't trust it. Yeah. What if what if it is actually working? You know what I'm saying? That way, you know. What I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm remote. We leave. I'll be trusting it again. <laughs> I also think that like the day we people just be off work. I don't think it should be. Go in before work. Uh, try to go after work. Yeah. Should be at work. Well, you you but, know that's. I mean, they're scared of it, obviously, because it would change. Yeah, you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, man, like, that's crazy. You mean that certain people in a certain demographic <laughs> can't vote? Right? That's wild. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um. All right. So you have a son. I do I'm about to have a son. You are. What are, I guess, what are your fears when you have a son? A young uh, black son. My fears having a young black son, a lot of them personally stem from, a lot of them stem from me, really. It's like, I don't want, one of my biggest fears is for my son not to have an example of a man in his life. Um, uh-huh. 
for whatever for whatever reason, whether it's me being there and not being a man and, or me not being there for some things that are either any fault of my own or no fault of my own. So I think that's that's one of my biggest fears. And one of my next biggest fears is the fact that I'm not going to know how to teach him how to move into the world that he's growing up in because so much is going to change. Like my my parents, they used to send me to school and they used to to tell me, my mom used to tell me like, hey, you got to be three times better than any white person in your class in order to Mm -hmm. just be on par with them. Right. And I don't know what the world's going to look like for him. You know what I'm saying? To I don't it might be better. It might not. I'm my biggest, my root fear on that is that he sees a hopeless world. Yeah. But also, I don't really know how to inspire much hope in yeah, yeah. in this in this society. Yeah. You know what I mean? So those are well, those are my biggest fears. I'm, I think that's sadly one of the parts of being black. Like I have, honestly, like if my life. If if I if I capped out at what I have right now, where I am in life, I'd be perfectly content with that because I can never see myself as before where I was before. I can never see myself as like a mid twenties, just like semi suburban, you know, <laughs> suburban dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's almost like it's almost like if you're for the people that I know that come from quote unquote good environments. They have this expectation of life, not expectation of what life should be. They have that as well, but they have an expectation to live. And the psychological impact of that, it cannot be overstated because for me, right, if I I have to think about saving money because I have to convince myself that as a black man in America, I'm not going to get killed tomorrow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I'm not in that environment anymore. I'm not in that environment yeah. where it's where that where that as likely as it could be, right? right. But that's a whole mental shift for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't think I think it'd be hard to raise a carefully a carefree black boy in America, um, as much in as much as it would be to raise him anywhere because of yeah. the image yeah. of black people that's exported everywhere in the world. Right. So I, I don't know. That's a I mean, I don't that's Oh, I'm terribly sad, man. Like, and now it. Man, <laughs> just thinking about it. Just thinking about it. <laughs> there's a um. There, it, it 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 burdens me thinking about the fact that he doesn't. My son is my son is light skinned and it's like that in a past. You know what it's I'm saying? Not. It's, it's not. It's not a past. And, no. and then if he does get into a scenario where he is like surrounded by uh if where he's surrounded by like well to do people, mm-hmm. he's kind of the token there. He's yeah. still at risk. He's yeah. he's at risk of being he's exploded. Still black. He's still black. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, he's at risk of he's at risk of being exploded. He's at risk of people trying to look at him like an item more more so than a person. He's yeah. at risk of people looking at him and saying, Oh you talk white, you're so intelligent. You get yes. you get this token mm-hmm. you get this token status. So it's almost like for for me, like, for example, this is not how I talk in Augusta, Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me to think about the fact that I have to be two people at least. Yes. At very the minimum. Yeah. Yes. I, 
in order to be socially acceptable in two different yes. spheres I exist and I have to be at least two different people in yes. it. Like I'm walking the line every every day. Yeah. It's a du- it's a duality it's a duality yeah. that you you can't train out of out of black Americans, yeah. I, I think. And I'm only a hundred percent comfortable when I'm like at my dad's house or my mom's house with family members. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise I'm not. Yeah. I'm not me. Like I'm everything else that's needed for me to survive. Yeah. That's what I am. I think that's that's super tough for me because sometimes I don't even feel at home there. Like, cause I'm, mm. I've been out of Georgia since I was, I'm, I left Georgia when I was 17. Yeah. And I went back home and I, so I left Georgia at a, at a pretty formative time in my life. And I, I was around people, I was around people that weren't at all like me from any, any social respect. And then I went home and my family said I taught white. And so mm-hmm. now I have to kind of, I have to mold myself to be, to be the person that I would have been if I stayed in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Right. I, it's a conscious effort to me. But then I also have to make a conscious effort and not say certain things when like mm-hmm. I'm in professional settings and it's just like well, yeah. It, I, it's, <laughs> I mean, but it's a part of being a black man in America, I think. And it is well, it is it, it, it is it's disheartening. It's back to like the conversation where you feel like you're gone. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> is Wakanda an option? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I don't, like I said, I don't think that black people, black Americans belong in in the most intrinsic sense anywhere specifically in the greater America. I think that we do belong uh, in the, in respect to like us feel, feeling ownership and feeling connected in our own individual communities, though. Okay, yeah. Because it's like no, there's a hierarchy. There's, it's almost like this. It's almost like a subculture, subcountry. In our little, yeah. in our little like, um, in our little like tight knit communities, um, and I think that could be improved. But the problem is, we live in a place where essentially there's an embargo around all of our communities where we can't flourish, right? Yeah. So we have to try to we have to try to make the most of this little space that we have. And if we were allowed to flourish, it would be complete. It would be a completely different country and better for it. But yeah. as as of right now, that's just not that's not the nature of our society. Yeah, I agree because I feel like American culture, especially now, is black culture. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Black people influence everything in America. Everything. Yeah. Retail. I mean everything. Everything. Society. So you mean like as far as culture, right? Culture. Like not like culture. not like legislation. Right? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. You know what? Talk about legislation. Even say like some social justice reform. Yeah. Social justice reform. Yeah. They made some laws specifically to target Black Americans to make white Americans feel safe. So even in that, even though it's a negative influence. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, it's right. an influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Prison laws. It's all influence about something. Did you know that? Uh, you know how uh, anti, how like anti guns America was when the Black Panthers was. I know, I know, exactly. Like, nah, I will. Second Amendment. Nah, it ain't the first Amendment. We good. 
Or how they push entrepreneurship until Black Wall Street was popping. And it was like, Boy. we got a bomb that. We got to get rid of that. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, but, I think, I think as a Black American, you could, you can flourish. And I think Black Americans have to, have to, their flourishing has to be individualistic, not in the respect, not saying that they have to keep it all to themselves, mm-hmm. but the same, the same, they can't, flourishing for a Black American is not one, is not one size fits all. Yeah. Because you look at like what happened with LeBron James, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. just as just as weak, you know what I'm saying? Like if anybody, literally anybody else outside of that culture, outside of like the shut up and dribble culture, would have mm-hmm. started a school for people to just send to just send kids to school for free. Mm-hmm. I want either either way, on one hand, they wouldn't have even been mentioned. And if they would have been mentioned, they wouldn't have the 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 notice wouldn't have been that this person is stupid, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, it wouldn't have been, oh man, this one stupid man interviewing another stupid man. Like, oh yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, can you can you imagine? Yeah, can you imagine him being like, yeah, man? Kenny Chesney started the school with. <laughs> Kenny Chesney started the school with. Like, all right, these both of these people are idiots. You're like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, it just it wouldn't it just wouldn't happen right. if you're if the intrinsic belief about those people is that in order for a black person to be smart they have to be exceptional and i think that because of that you have to as a as a black american when you're when you're flourishing you have to figure out how am i going to do this in a way that does the most good and also the least impact on my community because you got to think about the fact that like on the other saturday so so our president called called uh LeBron James, you know, mm-hmm. he called him stupid, right? So when you do that, yeah, he's doing good in our community, but you're also creating an opportunity for somebody else to be divisive. Mm-hmm. And so as a black American, you have to decide how how you're gonna be able to influence change and minimize division mm-hmm. at the same time. I don't even know how I got there, but well <laughs> it was amazing. You're one of my favorite interviews. <laughs> Good <laughs> favorite interviews. Super fun. We're gonna talk some more offline. Okay. <laughs> um, thank you all for listening to American Dream Isn't Real Podcast. This segment is called Support Our White Troops. And I can be contacted at M. E. Williams Books on Twitter and Facebook. And also, if you have any questions, you can email me at M. E. Williams Books at gmail.com. And thank you for this conversation. Thank you. <laughs>